Here's Neymar now, Cavani is there. And Saint-Etienne has surely won it in the 89th minute. Calou for Cavano. Oh, what a strike. An absolute beauty for Florian Tobac. Kylian Mbappé wraps it up. Hello and welcome to France where the country has come to a standstill amid the worst strikes in years. The transport system, the post office, the schools have ground to a halt but one famous French institution has kept on plugging away. Liga has indeed been firing on all cylinders this weekend. 35 goals scored across the country, highest total since the 2016-17 season and I'm glad to say that uh, three people have shown great courage and uh, soldiered to the studio this morning. I don't include Robbie Thompson because he lives here, but good morning, Robbie. Good morning, Matt. You good made morning, it, everyone. You, you made it okay? Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't too far, but I have been out. I have been out in the rain and on a little uh, scooter, traditional style, in pouring rain because of the, uh, because of the grev, as we say. Yes, your budgie is, is, is very lively this morning. We do hope uh, the listeners can't hear Robbie's budgie. We've, we've, we've clucked. We've closed the door, but uh, please do send your complaints in to League uh, Podcast at gmail.com. I thought the institution you were talking about, Matt, was the League 1 Podcast, the beau jeu, not League 1 uh, itself, for the one that we're soldiering on. We're English. We're not going to go on strike. If, well, if this I, had been the League 1 match, this would have been called off. The principe de précaution, the precautionary principle would have been applied, <laughs> exactly. and they'd have said it was far too dangerous for myself. I'm David, by the way. And been... <laughs> Armel Tongi to cycle in through the terrible weather and with all these amateur cyclists who need lessons off Chris Froome. There has been a lot of rain. There has been a lot of rain, and that was topical as well, David Crossan, because Chris Froome was... Uh, was present. I say that, but Chris Froome had a really bad crash, which meant that he couldn't do the Tour de France, so maybe they don't need lessons off him. But he is a very good cyclist. And he was present at the Nice game. Uh, nice uh, mm. defeating Mets, bouncing back after their defeat against uh, Saint-Étienne. Loads of goals, as I said. We're going to start at the Orange Velodrome, where, I think it's fair to say, the team of the moment, Olympique de Marseille, were, uh, were victorious again. Oh, hang on. Apparently, I haven't introduced Armel. But, That's but, all right. Don't worry. I only did 12K in the rain. Don't worry about it. It's fine. They've introduced that. Armel Tangi is here. Hi, Armel. Morning. You're looking, you're looking well wearing a, a very handsome FC Mets shirt. Trying to yeah. wear to something raise, I don't care too much about in the rain. To raise spirits, maybe after Mets' defeat at Nice. Let's, let's move on, shall we, to the action. Now Armel's um, ego has been boosted. Um, <laughs> and I've been polite. Uh, Olympique de Marseille, the team of the moment, they played Bordeaux on Sunday night. Robbie Thompson saw the action. That's a good ball for Depreville. Madger back for Depreville. Oh, how about that? My word, Yassin Adli! With an Exocet missile out of his right boot. Bayet's ball, back post, free header, and it's Jordan Amavi. Talk about inviting trouble. They've given it straight back to Sanson here. Oh, how about that? Well, football suicide from Bordeaux here in the second half. What was Benoit Cost still thinking? Rangier still. He's found Radonjic. And it's in.
Radonjic can't stop scoring. Robbie, Marseille coming from behind. The first time they've done that in four and a half years at the Velodrome to win a football match and all in all, a, a deserved win. 3-1 against Bordeaux. Marseille really impressive in the second half in particular. Impressive in the second half where they got the goals, but quite impressive in the first half as well. And in, in, insofar as they dominated possession, Bordeaux really didn't create anything. If there was a, a criticism of Marseille in that first half, it was that they failed to create clear-cut chances. But you always felt it could happen. Um, Bordeaux, a superb goal from Yassin Adli, the former PSG youngster scoring at the Velodrome. I was wondering who was waiting for me to, to make that link. He's playing well, Adli, isn't he? He's well, a fine he's player. player. Uh, incidentally, a certain Unai Emery tried to take him to Arsenal when he left PSG for Did well Arsenal. not to go, didn't he? Well, he, he, he wanted to go as well. The club, uh, Antero Enrique, uh, closed the door on that one. And then six months later, he was loaned to Bordeaux or, mm. and signed for Bordeaux uh, at the end of the season. And uh, fantastic strike. But really, it was a, a, a bolt from the blue for Bordeaux and Marseille, deservedly. Dimitri Payet everywhere. Um, excellent performance. Really solid Marseille and AVB has them purring yeah. at the moment. Jordan Amavi, the left-back who was often criticised by, by the fans, got the equalising goal afterwards. He said, I've never seen Dimitri Payet defend like that in my life. Because Payet was often back in the left-back position covering Amavi when he went forward. And, you know, Armel, that, that's sort of indicative, isn't it, of what Andre Villas-Boas has, has, has done to this team. Absolutely. I'm glad you asked me this question because this was the point I was going to make about this game. If you look at the, the, the three goal scorers for Marseille, quite simply, Amavi, Sanson, all right, the last one was given to Chouamini own goal, but those two anyway, Sanson and Amavi, were public enemies number one and two pretty much in Marseille this and summer. And Radonjic wasn't far away either. Yeah, absolutely. Because that originally was his goal, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was well, it should... It should just about be his goal. Right. The initial shot was on target, probably saved by Costa. So if we take those three players, they were all pretty much dead and buried at the start of the summer. Marseille fans really, really did not like them. And Andre Villas-Boas has, has, has turned their Marseille careers around, each and every one of them. And the Mavi that you mentioned there is the illustration of it. He, he looks the player that we saw back in his Nice days again, mm. whereas last season he was awful and everyone was complaining that Marseille hadn't bought a left back and... Last night's result is very impressive and proof of how far Marseille as a as a group and not just as an eleven, a starting eleven, have have come. I was dubious, Dave, when Marseille appointed AVB. Um, you look at his uh, his track record, phenomenal at Porto, and then went very young to to Chelsea and then Tottenham, and then sort of uh, took a bit of a step back, and then he had spells in uh, in Russia and in China, and it, it just felt a bit like, well, is this guy? really aiming to be a top-level mm. coach again. He has really surprised me. He's shown his hunger as well. He's still very young. A, a, a lot of people would only be starting their coaching career at his age. Uh, he's helped by being a gentleman in his dealing with the players and with the press and with the fans. So I think he's giving the same message to everybody, which hasn't always been the case at Marseille in recent seasons. Villas-Boas is getting his players to work for him. He speaks several languages which has to help in terms of communication and he's involving everyone in what he wants to achieve that Benedetto was ruled out late on Germain came in worked very hard um, he's shown that they can play different styles as well now because I think they've had pretty well 60 shots over their last two home games whereas away at Angers it was a very different style he yeah. decided to let Angers have the ball they have the lowest possession ratio in the division this was a game I commentated in the midweek round 
Uh, he decided not to have the ball and then just try and catch them unawares. They got their win, professional away display, started withdrawing players before the end to keep them fresh for the Bordeaux game. And six wins in a row, you just can't argue with it. I still think that they're a limited team that are playing to the best of their abilities. But when Florian Tovan comes back at the start of next year, that will add a bit of star power to them. And while they're confident and working for each other, yes, they are capable of finishing in the top two. Matt, your your question to Dave was about AVB. Last night we saw a, a couple of Portuguese coaches doing very well. If you were to imagine you were supporting a club that were doing horribly and you were sort of looking for a, a new coach to give them a boost, which one of the two would you rather, Sosa or, or AVB? You're talking about Toulouse. Who would I go for? Yeah. Um, or... <laughs> um, I think Toulouse have a coach in I wouldn't take, moment, if I, I don't know, if, for example, you're talking about Arsenal, I wouldn't take a former Tottenham and Chelsea coach. So Paolo Sosa, former Swansea coach. No, I, I, I don't know. They're both, they're both doing really well. And I think it's, it, it's interesting. AVB, I think, has um, not necessarily left behind a bad reputation in England. I think people accept that he was very, very young. I think he got Tottenham's best ever points tally in, uh, in the Premier League. It wasn't considered good enough at the time, but he certainly didn't do that badly. And, uh, uh, at, at Chelsea, it was very much a case of his tactics not working with an ageing defence. He wanted them to play high up the pitch and the likes of, uh, of John Terry were, get, were, were getting found out. I think what's, what's interesting at the moment, Dave mentioned against Angers, he played this tactic where they sat back and they gave Angers the ball and they said, come on, let, you're at home, let's see what you can do. It's not necessarily easy to do that when you're a Marseille coach to tell highly paid, talented players to give Angers the ball. He did it and well, it worked. that's what Stéphane Moulin said after, after that game. Yeah. He said... Not, but not bad getting players of this quality to, to play without the football. But Robbie, against Bordeaux, they were at home and they did this high press, didn't they? And they tried to prevent Bordeaux from passing out the back. And actually two of the goals came from, from mistakes from Bordeaux players because they were being harried so much. And it shows... Absolutely. It, it shows I'm that everyone's buying into the... it shows the, there's a tactical flexibility now. It, it shows that the players are buying in to the, to the whole idea of what AVB is producing. And if you don't have that, if the players don't have faith in the coach... If they don't buy into it, then it doesn't matter what tactics you play. You're not going to go anywhere. That's the strength of these perennial league and coaches we see, like Gorkouf, perhaps Comboare earlier, but René Girard. These guys that, that motivate your players and, and get everyone to batten down their hatches, hatches. AVB has a little bit more tactical nous, perhaps. Um, but in terms of the high press, look, I'd take it back to, to the game against PSG where they tried to play a high press and they got completely destroyed. Bordeaux made made mistakes that gave Marseille the ball and they panicked. Bordeaux, that goal early in the second half, saw them panic and, and from there they were never in the game. There was only ever going to be one result. We agreed they're sort of in the same mould, these two coaches from that game anyway, Sosa and AVB. Aside the fact they're Portuguese, they're both two fairly young coaches who have travelled a, a, a fair bit between them before settling down here and they both got fairly exciting ways of, of managing their football clubs. They both look like if you know, if I was to to be part of a squad, they look like the sort of coach I can go and sit down with, have a chat with, maybe even get a laugh with him and discuss my sort of. They're both they're both linguistically hugely impressive. Absolutely. I, I don't. Yeah. It would be interesting to know more about why the Portuguese generally are so good at languages. Because it's an impossible language to speak. <laughs> no, but the Spanish. <laughs> I, mean, I find Spanish impossible, but the Spanish generally struggle. Um, to speak different languages you know I am generalizing a lot but these two I mm. can't remember which Marseille player it was was saying AVB speaks four different languages on the uh, on the training ground yeah. just seamlessly switching between between languages it is it, it's it's impressive and it's working six wins from six and going up to Christmas now they've got two games they're playing Mets away and then Nîmes at home if they win those two games 
they end the first phase of the season with 40 points, which is mightily impressive after 19 games you know, if they you, get there. You know what the titles are going to be in, uh, in Le Keep then, aren't they? Going to be there safe from relegation. That's the, the magic mm. safety that everyone aims for. <laughs> 42 in points. 40 points. That would be their best. Feet up. Their best actually not for that long because it was Marcelo Bielsa's team had 41 points. They were Christmas champions. What was that four well, or five seasons ago? 14-15. And that's yeah. when they won eight in a row as well. So, so this Marseille side, AVB, have that in their sights. Just a word in, in to add to Paolo Souza then compared to AVB because he definitely came off second best in this, mm. this match between the coaches last night, is the quality of his squad is nothing like that yeah. of Marseille's yeah, yeah, yeah. squad. So, look, you can't expect him, you can't expect Paolo Souza and Bordeaux to get six wins in a row necessarily. That was their first defeat in five. They're doing very well. But when you, when you look at the quality of their, of their side, of their squad, it, yeah. it's, it pales. I think in, as another footnote to that, we should mention Josh Madger because there was the midweek mm. round. We didn't talk enough about Madger's Madger last week on the podcast, but he followed that up with a hat trick in midweek mm-hmm. and he's going really well, the youngster. Which and I he add. had some nice touches in, the, in, in last night as well. He worked very hard for the team, but it was a defensive setup from Souza. They didn't really look like they wanted to take the game to Marseille. Marseille second in the standings, five points behind PSG. Bordeaux are in fifth position, but they're now some eight points behind Marseille. So Marseille have opened up this gap. They're six points ahead of third place Lille, and they're looking very, very good to, uh, to at least secure a Champions League berth. Bordeaux, um, I think we need to at least mention the fact that they're in tatters somewhat off the pitch mm. With, mm. Uh, with the Bordeaux ultras demonstrating quite... Uh, Quite not 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 violently, but coming onto the pitch in vociferously, the uh, vociferously yeah. coming onto the pitch in the midweek game, the six nil victory. Um, Dave, you were there at, at that one. These these ultras are not happy, are they, with the majority shareholders? No, that King wasn't Street. one of mine, but I'll, I'll talk oh, to you about their ownership you. anyway. I, I commentated that. Yeah. Oh, I'll leave it to Armel. Armel. Yeah. Armel. Tell, t- t- tell us about it. So, I mean, the the fans they want King Street out I think they have 80% yep, exactly. of the football club and they're, and, and they're not happy and they're going to get more of King Street if I understand but, what's but happening the correctly. man yeah. they're aiming their anger towards well one of two men the, but the main one seems to be Frederick Longapier who Robbie knows mm-hmm. I'm sure because of former his former Olympic at, gymnast for France really mm-hmm. oh there we are Robbie does know him why, well. are they, <laughs> why, why, why are they upset with him um, it's his running of the club one of their main qualms is Ticket prices have uh, been pushed up without any consultation. They say the lack of communication between... You can probably tell that I had a 25-minute commentary spell to to (laughs) fill when that uh, minor pitch invasion happened and the game was postponed momentarily. But yeah, so they're they're having a go at him for basically his running of the club and the lack of communication between supporters and the, the people at the top of the club. But equally unkept promises if you like on a on a sort of sporting and financial basis of when the club was taken over by King Street and Longipi and what's it, is it Tiro no was uh the other chap his associate yep. uh who making big promises of where they were taking Bordeaux and the fans feel that those promises haven't been kept so I, I I'm not too certain why it's coming out now so well there was there's a problem between Joe de Groza the American who who brokered the whole deal with GACP, and they stayed as only mono, minority shareholders. Yeah, they only about 14% in, of the club. Yeah, 14%. They brought in these investors for King Street. King Street, who are just looking for a return on their money, mm. basically, haven't invested 
huge amounts of money on 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 big players it's all it's all a business plan and and if there's one thing that that football fans and club fans and ultras hate it's the idea of people coming in just to make money out of a football team so yeah. already they're starting in a negative position um the fact now that de groza and gacp are being forced out because they're they're at loggerheads with king street the majority shareholders longepe is King Street's man, mm. who's been placed. And at PSG, he was head of commercial development. He was one of uh, Nasser Al-Khalifi's right-hand men with Jean-Claude Blanc, um, Frédéric Longuepé. And uh, this, uh, so the fans don't like that. That's the, that's the bottom line. Mm. That's where all the trouble comes from. And uh, they Probably want to see great Dave, football players. Dave's they yawning. want to see... Well, it's it's politics. It's off field. The French. <laughs> no, I, that, I think I, we could I do agree. a podcast special on ownership structures and yeah, how much I of a say St- ultras should have in running a club. Because I, I think it would be amazing if a leader of an ultra was appointed to run a club for a year. I, I suspect that club <laughs> might hit severe difficulties <laughs> within twelve months. Mm. That's a but slightly... the clubs need them. The clubs do need do need the ultras, and the ultras need to feel important Absolutely. for a club. Absolutely. And uh, look, that's I wouldn't what, belittle, it's a, it's a fi- I wouldn't belittle it's a, supporters. I think no, um, absolutely not. What I what what I find interesting about the Bordeaux situation is that they're doing this actually while while results are good, and the yeah, the, the team yeah, was yeah. third before mm. you know going into this weekend. Well, can you and imagine I, if they were they were struggling down the wrong end of the table? I, I thought that during disaster. Bordeaux Nîmes that everyone's very fortunate that Bordeaux went on to not only win that game but absolutely wipe the floor with Nîmes because. That could have really plunged the club into difficulty, and I, I doubt I doubt Paolo Sosa is particularly pleased that this has come to add a bit of trouble to his progress. You're listening to up and coming football commentator Armel Tangi in his FC Mets shirt. You're watching Le. No, you're not watching. You're listening to <laughs> Le Bourge, the uh, official Ligue 1 podcast. We're going to be uh, uh, picking our best midfield of the decade uh, very shortly in the pod. Though, so do stay with us. We've already picked the uh, defence. Before we do that, though, we'll talk about uh, the other big clash at the weekend, or one of the biggest, uh, Montpellier against Paris Saint-Germain, PSG, the league leaders. Not an easy place to go. The Mosson, Armel Tanguy, brings us the action. Teji Savanier delivers. It's a great ball in, and Montpellier have the lead. Great ball in from Savanier, curling towards goal. Congre cut across it. And once again, it's an own goal. This time it's Paredes handballing it past his own goalkeeper. Neymar. Oh, beautifully done, Neymar. Pass shot up in the blink of an eye and brought down by Pedro Mendes, who's already been booked. And Montpellier will play out the final 20 minutes with 10 men. And again, Neymar has a good opportunity from the free kick. Neymar, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. He couldn't have hit it any better if he tried. Neymar, Mbappe inside his man, Kylian Mbappe. And just like that, Paris Saint-Germain ahead. Barely two minutes ago, PSG trailed by a goal to nil. And now they're 2-1 up. Here come PSG again, gorgeous ball from Neymar. For Kylian Mbappe, Sarabia making the late dart, Icardi, gorgeous finish. And Mauro Icardi, who's been feeding on scraps this evening, has gobbled that one up. Armel, Paris Saint-Germain, coming from behind. 
a little bit like Marseille. They left it to the last 20 minutes, the last 15 minutes or so. Three goals from their brilliant trio, Neymar, Mbappe and Icardi. Uh, Montpellier had uh, opened the scoring early. Daniel Congre, or potentially a Paradise own goal. Paradise own goal. Paradise yeah. own goal from a, from a corner. Um, what did you make of, of the game and PSG's performance, which up until 70 minutes wasn't great? Very entertaining game. And actually, I don't really want to hear it that PSG weren't great. Montpellier were brilliant. Montpellier were brilliant and worked unbelievably hard. Probably ran out a bit of gas in the final quarter of the game, if you like. And, and Pedro Mendes's red card left them really struggling. And I mean, Neymar scored from the resulting free kick that Mendes gave away brilliantly. But... I, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't understand how you can watch that game and I'm think PSG weren't I'm good. Not. Yeah, they, because every time PSG lose or, or be held, it's, it's their fault that they didn't play well enough. And let's give some credit to the other teams because Ligue 1 is clearly improving. That With Montpellier leading 1-0, Paris Saint-Germain was staring down a fourth defeat of the, of the season. season. That yeah. means that mm. these other Ligue 1 clubs are improving, that they're closing the gap because Paris Saint-Germain are, are marching on undefeated in Europe top of their group in the Champions League. They've beaten and drawn away to Real Madrid. They're, they're showing in Europe that they are a side capable once again of going to the latter stages of that competition. And here in France, they're struggling. Montpellier have been in excellent form at home and they've showed it again. If you buy players like Neymar, Icardi and Mbappe, what are you buying them for? You're buying them to win games that you're struggling in. They did exactly that this weekend. Wasn't Paris's best game they'll play this season. But those three men have delivered with each scoring brilliant goals and then playing a part in the goal that followed their own contribution. I and don't... Paris also lost two players through injury in the first, in the what, first 20 half. minutes of the, of the match. Mm. But They've made changes as well. You're already without Marco Verratti. Debut in the middle for Tongi Kwasi. Yeah. Yep. So, so look, there are all sorts of yeah. elements. It's never, it's never good to just look at the result of a match or see the statistics and say, okay. this is what happened. Moving away from the PSG supporters club, Dave, PSG mm. did nothing for 70 minutes. They didn't, they <laughs> didn't the have a shot question, in that question, Matt. We just you, answered that. You could say, you could say that it's because Montpellier are an incredible side and Ligue 1 is... Uh, is, is, is becoming just... 35 you know, goals this week, too, too strong for Paris Saint-Germain that they can't get results against the likes of Rennes. That's what we were um, saying. Or <laughs> you could say that there's um, a, an attitude issue in the Paris Saint-Germain side and they're not necessarily going into these games ready to roll their sleeves up. How would you see it? I think there are several elements to this. I think Thomas Tuchel's already used 30 players this season, which mm. is a surprising statistic. I think it's the most of any team in, uh, in Ligue 1. And... I don't think he has hit on the system that he can just rotate players and they slot into the same system and they play to the best of their abilities. He tried a, a sort of a variant of a 4-4-2 at the weekend. I think still their best system is a, a 4-3-3. Um, but yeah, Neymar, Icardi and Mbappe, they're there to win you the game. They did that in the end. Does it really matter how you play up until then? It looks good in a two-minute highlights thing on YouTube, doesn't it? Great free kick. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, was watching, I was watching um, Canal Plus last night. Abdou Diallo was on it, the PSG defender. And he says, uh, yes, we have a duty to play better football than we're currently playing. More attractive There football. was also Marquinhos so he, wasn't playing as well. So he believes that. Which is an interesting talking point. Mm. Sorry, man. He believes that Paris Saint-Germain, with the players they have, have a, have a duty to no, play I, better football than they're playing. I, I think what was good was that Montpellier posed them a physical challenge and I think more teams should do this to Paris Saint-Germain that there are many ways to win a football game and anyone who's played five a side with me will know that when you come up against more talented players 
the best thing to do is put your shoulder in. Uh, I'm not saying give them an absolute kicking, but at least let them know that you're there. The word the word I was used was suffocated. But Juan Bernat in that first half was spent most of his time running back into his own corner flag because he had Andy Delore, Damiano Talek and Arno Suke pushing him back into the corner. I'd never seen anyone play like that against Paris Saint-Germain. Marseille tried at the Parc des Princes and conceded four in I don't know how many minutes. Montpellier played that first half to perfection and, and led. But couldn't couldn't keep it couldn't going. Couldn't do it. The quality of Paris Saint-Germain told was it. Was, yeah, and it also takes a lot out of you to run that hard <clears throat> against okay. a side with that technical quality. Kylian Mbappe has been involved in uh, 11 goals in 10 Ligue 1 games this season. He's the only player along with Lionel Messi since the start of the 18-19 season to be averaging more than a goal a game. Never He's heard of him. 39, <laughs> 39 in 38. Neymar's been involved in 61 goals in 45 games. Icardi has become the fastest Paris Saint-Germain player to hit 11 goals. There you go. They're the positive stats, but I'm going to continue to play Devil's Who was second advocate. on that list? Whose record did he break? That well, surprised me. I saw, Icardi. I saw you tweet about it. Um, yeah. De- Deli Valdez. Deli Valdez, yeah. Really? Scored 16 goals in half a season and then uh, didn't score again for the rest of the 95-96 campaign. Okay, so I've, I've, I've put some sugar, sugar coating around it all. What stands out... For me, apart from the, the brilliant goals, because they were actually were all brilliant, brilliant goals, yeah. um, <laughs> Mbappe going off, ignoring Thomas Tuchel and showing a distinct lack of respect to his coach. Um, Neymar behaving like a spoiled child for much of the game and driving um, Andy Delors to distraction to such an extent that he, he, he demanded that Neymar show more respect to his fellow professionals mm. in the tunnel and they had, and they had quite a fracas. Um, you know, were there yes. 63 one twos though? That's the question. That's what Andy Delors said Neymar was doing to make fun of Montpellier. Yes, at there the end, at 63. the end of the game, when PSG scored their third, there was a point where they just started playing. Can it you between not, each fellas? Other. Can you not be good and be classy about it as well? Neymar can't. I'm going. I'm going to put it out there. I. I it's his I, I, game, isn't it? He. He's, mm. and it's and it's worked against him. Let's not. Yeah. Let's not yeah, deny yeah. the fact mm. that his injuries against Marseille. And against Strasbourg. Um, Montpellier? No. Strasbourg. Against Strasbourg, mm. that's right. Their cause, because of the way he plays, that yeah. he goes looking for the contact, he mm. goes looking for the foul. Uh, but it's the way he plays the game. I get the feeling he honestly doesn't see anything wrong with it. He, he feels that he's just, that's the way he plays, that he's enjoying himself on the, on the football pitch. But I think everyone that watches the games knows that the best way to, to ruffle Paris Saint-Germain is to, to ruffle Neymar's feathers. You get you get stuck in this. I don't I don't see do what this think is such a big deal. Do you not think there's a deep rooted feeling inside him that he's too good for this league and he shouldn't actually be having to lower himself to play? No, because he was the like same. For, I remember watching him play for Barcelona against Paris Saint Germain and getting incredibly frustrated at him, looking looking for the fouls the whole time and looking for the contact. What? But if you can't take the ball off him, I mean, there are other players. That, but you can. That's the thing. Yeah. And Arno Suke, who yeah. I'm sure some people listening to this podcast have probably never heard of did that very well. The point I made in commentary about Everybody Neymar... Everybody listening to this podcast has heard of Arno Suke. Come please on, give, write give our to listeners us what's, audience. The, what's the email address if you have heard of Arno Suke. <laughs> Ligue <laughs> at gmail.com. Thank you, Arno. But Neymar, for me, 
has the talent but will never ever be the best player in the world while he's spending that much time feigning injury you just, yeah. you, you, you he, need your best player making the difference but he can win games Matt the statistics are, are impressive they're involved in 61 goals yeah. That's so you're, t- you're telling me assist. playing like this he can be the best player well, in the world no, 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 I'm saying that he he's an impressive player and that's the way he plays I, I'm else saying how often Neymar loses the ball that's mm. fine for a risk-taking player but so often he loses the ball when he's not really taking a risk he's actually trying to play quite a simple pass mm. and the only reason that the mm. the three attacking players that they picked uh, at the weekend that that works is because Mauro Icardi doesn't want the ball yeah. imagine if you mm. had a third forward who like Neymar and Mbappe true. wants to touch Very the ball true. all the time Cavani it's example. great that Icardi just runs away from the ball and is quite happy tapping one yeah. in to he's get his goal every week ruthlessly efficient I think that's the question isn't it for a while when a player is on form someone like Kylian Mbappe manages to couple this style of wanting to be on the football, of wanting to make things happen with ruthless efficiency. Mauro Icardi is just ruthless efficiency. Mm. And Neymar, for the moment, hasn't found that. Despite the fact, well, people could say, I mean, his statistics suggest that he is scoring goals. L'Equipe newspaper suggesting this morning that Thomas Tuchel has lost uh, a certain amount of control and respect over his players compared to uh, a year ago. Um, anybody? I've got a couple of people shaking my head, so I'll go to the one, the person who isn't shaking his head. <laughs> Dave, uh, do, do, do we need to worry about Thomas Tuchel? Certainly, he's not getting the best out of them in terms of the football they're producing. Um, but, you know, we're going to judge them in February and March. What was the midfield, I think you've answered your own question, Matt. I don't have to say anything now. We'll judge them in February and March when we get to the knockouts. I'm worried. Stage of the Champions League. I'm worried about them because I feel they're underperforming quite consistently in Ligue 1 and what I saw I know they got a 2-2 draw at the Bernabeu but honestly the level of PSG's play in that game was 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 worrying I thought their inability to resist Real Madrid their inability to uh, have any semblance of control the, the flip the side of that argument is that when you've got players capable of turning it on in a flash that you can score goals even when you're playing badly so that's the positive side to it yes I think they do have to start playing more consistently he has to hit on his best 11 at some point. You can't keep going on with these 30 players because they're not interchangeable. There are clearly Absolutely. 11 or 12 saw. who are better than the rest. And he's got to, when it comes to February, know who that team is. I just wonder if Neymar's attitude is going to cost him a place in the team of the decade that will be selecting. Will he be named alongside the likes of Christophe Jallet? We'll find out very, very soon. Well, we'll find out next week about the, uh, the forwards. Just before we select our midfielders, the team of the deck guy producer Ian um, has been into his boxing I think he watched the Ruiz Joshua bout and we very nearly had a, a Delore Neymar bout as well in the uh, in the Stade de la Mosson tunnel and uh, Ian wants to know do you have any um, any particular league bouts that you would like to see would you like to pit a couple of league pit bulls against each other in the ring Anybody got any, any suggestions? Dave's for got his own fight lined up. I've yeah, picked a fighter. Dave's got, got a man fight. Well, do you want to pick your fighter first and we'll see if there's any crossover? Okay. I'm going to go with everyone's favourite Malgash footballer in Ligue 1, Jeremy Morel. Uh, he's not very tall. He's probably about my height. Anyone that's not following the podcast in the uh, Comfort official virtual reality mask will know I'm not the tallest, but wow. Jeremy Morel, about my height, but he's built like an ox he's the only man I've ever seen beat someone 20 centimetres taller than him for a header and winning the ball with his chest I take Morel and I think yeah he'll win my fight against any of you uh, he's, he's not on my list but I, I think it's good to have a, a, a clash of styles so I'm, I'm going more for a clash of heights so I'm going I think Cyprian Tatarasanu when he joined Lyon was hoping that he'd 
play as many games as Anthony Lopez. So there's a lot of pent-up aggression there from the Romanian international. He's nearly two metres tall. So I'm going to have him in the blue corner. And in the red corner, I'm going to have Dijon's Frederick Samaritano, <laughs> who is 1m62 tall and I think is still the shortest player in Ligue 1. I think 1m62 against 2 metres, that's going to be a, a great bout. And if anyone wants to come to me with the pay-per-view offers, I'm going to sell it. He would be punching below the belt every time simply because he wouldn't be able to punch above the belt. But uh, I just imagine Stefan Ruffier in the ring and I, and, I, and I sort of start shaking with fear. I mean, imagine this guy. He is absolutely terrifying. No? I'd pay Ian starts quaking with excitement when he imagines <laughs> Stefan Ruffier boxing. <laughs> I, I, the, the bout I would like to have seen, but neither of them are in league anymore, is Latan against Mustafa Bayal Sal. If you could have carried on some of their battles off the pitch... Then that would have been very entertaining. He'd be more of an MMA, wouldn't he? Uh, Zlatan with his different Taekwondo moves. Yeah. Robbie, a bit too pacifist um, over there. No, well, look. I, Kevin it, Muscat. It, it's no, hard. Play, oh, no one would beat Muskie. <laughs> Lovely guy off the pitch, mind you. <laughs> White line fever there. Um, look, I, I, I'm surprised no one's gone with Nicola Palois. Just because I don't mm. think it would be the most gracious or technical boxer, but he'd just go in swinging, wouldn't he, with the, the big roundhouses. And maybe I was tempted by the idea of someone like Kamel Glick because I think he has real vice on the football pitch. I think he's, he can be a really nasty footballer also, with that Italian... Polish people tend to be good fighters and they, <laughs> as, they're, as, they're as not ashamed to admit it. It could be a time for a career change. Yeah, what about... A, I'm trying to think of a Strasbourg player that liked to get stuck a in. Joke. Anthony well, Gonzalez, yeah. you know, the little, little tough a little nugget. Who'd be prepared anybody at, anybody of, at Nîmes would be ferocious. Let's... Uh, Let's move on, shall we? Let's let's get on yeah, to that's the. That's a good point, actually. Anthony Briançon. Oh, oh yeah, Pablo. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. There you Pablo got a couple Martin of brawlers. Pretty tough. <laughs> Team of the uh, decade. Just to remind anybody who uh, didn't hear last week's pod, we've already picked the goalkeeper and the defenders. We have Stev Mondonda, the Marseille legend, in goal. We have Christophe Jallet, the uh, the Lorient, Lyon, PSG, uh, Amiens legend at right back. We have uh, Thiago Silva, a PSG centre back. Vitorino Hilton, former Marseille, now Montpellier captain, uh, partnering Thiago Silva. And at left back, we have Maxwell, the former PSG player. So a couple of Parisians. I wonder if. Any Parisians will get into our midfield. PSG's midfield has been strong. It has to be said over the last decade. So let's throw this one to uh, to Robbie Thompson, who's grinning. Oh, and I'm, no, I'm because, slightly concerned. No, he's because gonna... you all know what I'm going to choose. So it's it's not that much. It's not. There's no surprise element. But I honestly believe it. I'm afraid I haven't been able to to come up with a, a left field choice. For me, without a doubt, the strongest three man midfield that I have ever seen live, um, and certainly in French football. And Kunku Rabio is Thiago Motta at the base Momo of Sissico. the midfield three. <laughs> Blaise Matuidi on the left and Marco Verratti on the right. That that three that dominated just football match. And I don't think Paris have ever been as close in Europe as they were under Carlo Ancelotti and those three seasons with Laurent Blanc when they really you mean that, a semi-final? Yeah, no, they haven't three, been quarterfinals. Very yeah. close to a semi-final. Was that the midfield when they lost six? Uh, uh, Barcelona Thiago Motta wasn't playing that day. Uh, we've only ever had players missing with injury and suspension Adrian and terrible bad luck or just during, a free, during those quarterfinals or a 3-5-2 at the Etihad but anyway 
Blaise Matuidi, Marco Verratti. I don't think we hardly ever played with that those, those three we? in one of the big. Where were you yes. playing? I was on, on <laughs> just behind the bench. All right, well, you're clear. You're clear. We've, you've, you've put three names out there. Mm. Uh, we will debate. I think everyone has to agree, um, surely. Armel, no, no. Armel, Armel, um, how can you go past that? The science just... of Thiago Motta, the, the, the skill of Marco Verratti and the fight of Blaise Matuidi. It was so, the perfect balance I, in that midfield. I'm going to go with one of those that I don't think anyone can argue with. That's Marco Verratti. He, if he's not in your team of the decade, he's still not slightly frustrated that he's not as good as he should be. He's getting he, there. He's Italy's main man now, and and he's Paris Saint Germain's main man. He's he's, he's brilliant. Only is he not in your midfield? He is. Yes, oh, but he is. I'm, I was younger than that. Twenty seven already. I know he's been there oh, he's for been seven Paris years since twenty eleven, twenty twelve. Eight years, seven years. Yeah. Matt, um, Mar- Marco in your midfield as well. Marco, um, of course, he I'm has still to be. deciding. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Marco is well. Marco's one of the three first choices I've got down. I know that. The so other two are not we're thinking. all agreed on Marco Verratti and Blaise. No, surely. no, no, Motta. Marco Verratti. Anyone else, Armel, that you want to I, put? Okay, in? I've I've gone with one who could definitely also be considered a forward, Dimitri Payet. Now bear with me. Okay, and just can I say you, you're not going to say Eden Hazard next, are you? Well, I, I was we told. Need to define, yeah. I was told prior to going on air that he was more of a forward. But Dimitri Payet started his career as a midfielder. No, Payet can be midfield. Payet so, can be midfield. So thank you. Yeah. So with with just shy of four hundred league appearances, more than a hundred assists, almost eighty goals, and as I was saying to Robbie before the two of you arrived, whilst I was drying off, that a man who has given the finger to an average Premier League side to come back to Liga. And play and star should be given the captain's yep. armband in this team of the decade. But out of those 400 games, how many has he actually turned up for? Well, well, all 400. Cause <laughs> <laughs> um, Statistically speaking. Yeah. So, okay. okay. The just, 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 sometimes just turn to make this clear, so to move. Eden Hazard will be in the debate next week when we discuss the mm. forwards. But we have decided that he cannot be classed as a midfielder. Dimitri Payet can. So, Armel, do you have a third? I do, and it's Thiago Motta. Ah, good. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm going, let, let's, let's destroy Thiago Motta, Motta, Matt. I'm not having this. No, no. no. Look, Motta held Paris Saint-Germain back. He could stroll his way through league and games, dictate the pace of them, slow most of the time, play off his little sideways passes. And yes, I can see why he was important to PSG. For me, he held them back in Europe rather than benefited them in Europe. I want a more energetic midfielder playing mm. at the base of my team. I do want Blaise Matuidi in my team. I think it's fantastic. And selling him was the biggest mistake that Paris Saint-Germain made in this decade. They would have done much better if he'd stayed and not gone to Juventus. But I've got a short list of other players who I think can fill that motto role much better than he would have done. Mm. And number one on my list with an honourable mention for Rio Mavuba, who captained Lille to the 2011 title, is Fabinho. Fabinho was utterly sensational in the season that Monaco won the title. He had five very good years, which means he qualifies under my longevity rule at Monaco. How played many two years positions. at right back? How many years at right back? Yeah, I was gonna... A bit of right back, but then successfully converted to a, a right midfielder. Back. Three years as right back. Fabinho was certainly half, in my shortlist as well. Dave. He was in my shortlist for the defence. Yeah. I, I wasn't on the podcast. He's clearly, he's clearly a more complete and athletic... Uh, Holding midfielder than Thiago Motta. It's also oh, nice to have a bit of variety. Wow. I might, I might just jump ship here, Robin. Really? Join, so join the Fabinho crew. Join SS Fabinho. Yeah. Wow. Okay. 
I thought Fabinho was very good, but he doesn't have that experience or that. Uh, Didn't. That but he's proving of, now. Thiago Motta. I, I also. Not in league I, I wanted to mention Bernardo Silva as well. I, I don't think he did enough time. He only did three years at Monaco, but. How good was he? In and the, how's the Hazard debate season? there? Forward, midfield? He's forward. more of a midfielder than Hazard is. Fair. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I think he could be. He could certainly fit into the midfield. Dave, you've, uh, you've done well there. I mean, I'm surprised nobody has mentioned Joe Cole, David Beckham or Joey Barton. <laughs> I mean, you know, these Englishmen have... Uh, well, Joey Barton did make a big <laughs> impact, more of an impact than, than the other two, probably. He did. I was thinking about that. I mean, Valentin Rongier for, you know, the way he's uh, led this non-side for several seasons and now <clears> one of the key men in Marseille. So clearly Rongier's not going to get in here, but no. I just wanted to put, put some Marseille players no, out there. Florent Balmont. Good player. Florent Balmont. But, so yeah. Renault Coad. Well, we haven't mentioned the Lille midfield, which was similar to, the, to that PSG trio where we had Mavuba holding Balmont and uh, Cabaye playing the Pistons, as the, uh, as the French say. Outstandingly well-balanced midfield, but probably outshone a little bit by, by PSG. And Kabai, I did contemplate him, but he, he basically failed mm. really at PSG, didn't he? Yeah. 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 So, and, so, and, and out of those three, when he was at Lille, and I think regular podcast listeners know much as you're an Arsenal fan, I'm a Newcastle fan. Kabai wouldn't necessarily have been my number one pick out of those three when he joined Newcastle. But and he he's brilliant barely Newcastle. getting a look in at Saint-Étienne and we're yeah. still in the same decade. Yeah, but he's had a, a few injury problems. So I'm going to mention... Yeah, Plus, the, the forwards really were spectacular in that uh, Two more that names. Side. Two more names before I name my three. <laughs> Fab- Fabian Lemoyne, I think, definitely deserves a mention for his all-round yeah. um, effort, ability, and Where the fact he that he, he, he lost a kidney. Yeah, absolutely. He lost a kidney on yes. the way. I think, you know, I think that is phenomenal um, commitment. And it's, it, it's also a medical, maybe not a medical miracle, but it's impressive to come back with just one kidney. But he's done that. Uh, Matteo Valbuena gets some mention, but as Armel said before the pod, he, he was excellent in the n- late noughties. Probably doesn't quite make it into our team of the decade. Listen to this, though, for a midfield trio, okay? I mean, you, you just wouldn't get the ball back. You give it to them, that would be it. Marco Verratti just about gets in there. Another Marco, Estrada, who, what a player he was in Montpellier's title-winning year. Just... Uh, an absolute metronome, long, short passes. He, he pulled the strings in that Montpellier midfield. I hesitated a bit between Yunus Belonda and uh, Marco Estrada, but for me, Estrada um, was more complete and more important to that, to that team. And, Is he your number six then? And he's you, the Thiago Motta? Yeah, yeah, he's going to hold you. Um, and you guys will scoff. But I think for we're what, already scoffing, but man. For what Lu- <laughs> but for what Lucho Gonzalez did... This is awful. Months. This is awful. <laughs> what Lucho Gon- excuse me. Lucho Gonzalez, <laughs> Marco Estrada, Marco Verratti. They're trying to be different and it's just wrong. No, I'm yeah. not trying to be different. This are, guy, are Lucho Gonzalez... qualify for the Europa League guys, with this team? You guys, can you let me talk, please? I know I have to say this in every pod now. Um, I know you're, you're, you're young and you maybe don't remember 2010, but we're talking about the team of the decade... Lucho Gonzalez in the second half it of that season yeah. was phenomenal. Marseille hadn't won the league since 1993. So six it good months get you into seven, the team of the decade. No, because he then went on to play two more years and is... It was run out of town, Matt. And is Lucho a was run out of town. legend. You go to Marseille today, Lucho yeah, Gonzalez... With the rose glasses of hindsight. Absolutely <laughs> wonderful. I agree that he was a sensational player. I really I loved El Comandante. But you can't put him in team of the decade, Matt. Marco Estrada, just because you can speak Belonda Spanish, it's not going to a million times the better player. I was surprised Rob didn't mention Javier Pastore, and I, 
It's on a similar wavelength, uh, that. Just no, Lucho did no, more Lucho than was much more, much Lucho more influential. Really Lucho was really, he was the Marseille player in Please. that title-winning side. No, I, I concede that, that to Matt. But is that enough to make your team of the decade? No, I don't know. Not. I mean, you, you, we're talking about the biggest, most supported club in France. We're talking about 17 years without a title. Uh, for me... For me, <laughs> for me, I'll probably put him on the bench, and I'll I'll, I'll, I'll let one or two names like Fabinho get in there. So well, I, I'm Les hit- Matuidi, surely Dimitri Payet. Les Matuidi was a France international with Saint Etienne before signing for for Paris Saint Germain. Can we agree on Verratti and Fabinho? And yes, we need, and Blaise. Yes, and we need one more. Surely Payet. Matuidi. Payet. I'm more. I'm. I'm more. Ma- Who I'm, does the work in this midfield, Matt? Verratti. See, Armel's team's a fancy Fabinho. team. Our Verratti team's actually going to play some football. Who's, who's okay? You've got Verratti and Fabinho. He, he was very good at uh, positioning himself. So who's the creative one? If you're adding Blaise Matuidi, who just runs. Um, Thank Marco. you, Dimitri Payet. They, was Blaise at Saint Etienne in the in the noughties? Yep. Trois and then Saint Etienne. Yeah. Um, mm. It's this is really hard actually because it, it sort of PSG depends. In it yeah. sort of depends if you're at home. Eleven with Menez, Gamero, Pastore, Sirigu was the. I'm just first looking wave. now. He moved so he moved. Uh, Matuidi moved to PSG in 2011 from Saint Etienne. So a lot of his football me. at Troyes and at Saint Etienne was in the noughties. Um, exactly the same with which uh, he, he'll be Payet. always be remembered for those performances at Trois Matt. And I just do think, oh no, I think Payet, <laughs> I'm looking, he joined Lille, didn't he, in 2011? He didn't win the title at Lille. No, that's true. He, he doesn't have the silver. He didn't win but... very much at Marseille. He did have a 12 goal, 12 assist season, which was great. He's, he's Is that been, a double double. He's yeah. been, yeah, he's been the best passer in Ligue 1 on a couple of occasions. And would okay, would Blaise Matuidi taken Marseille to the title? But this is the thing, Matt. Would France have won the World uh, um, Armel? Would France win the World Cup without without a Blaise Matuidi? Every season, Blaise was oh, he's not technical enough to play in this side. He's going to find himself on the outer at the World Cup. Well, there's so there's so much quality. Let in this the people France decide. Let's have and a Blaise referendum. Is what could go wrong? Blaise is the one that finishes the season. He's the one that's always there. That type of player is a rare jewel okay. in someone's midfield. All right, just because I think otherwise... the strike is actually over whether Blaise Matuidi gets into this team of the decade okay, or not. We're... That's why we couldn't get to the podcast today. I think Blaise is going to get it just because we're, o- we're over 40 minutes, I think, in this podcast already and Robbie isn't going to be quiet unless we give it to him. Armel looks absolutely distraught. I, I can't believe it. So Maybe you can bring Payet back pa- in next week. No, there's for no me, way Payet's getting into the best three strikers. He deserves to be in the best three midfielders. If you're playing, I want this team to have balance. I think if you're playing away from home, you definitely play Blaise. Maybe at home, Payet. What if we change the formation that, to a 4-2-3-1? That's what I was going to say. Joker, play a 4-4-2. And because I'm not on the pod no, next week, I don't think we'll, we'll just go with two forwards, make it shorter. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Matuidi, Verratti and Fabinho it's, it's very strong it's very strong let's, let's wrap up quickly some other important things that have happened this weekend Lyon uh, winning after their defeat at home against Lille in, in midweek they got back to winning ways Robbie Thompson commentated what was uh, a pretty uh, volatile game at the Stade des Costières in Nîmes it's a red card for Theo Vals Bertrand Traore oh he's done that very nicely Traore still goes down in the area. Penalty! Having had a player sent off after just five minutes, Nim now face a penalty from Memphis Depay. Everything going to plan for Leon so far. 
And so it continues with Memphis Depay, the Penenka-style little chip. That's going to be another red card for Gaetan Pacquiez now. How did you play in the second half against Leon? We played a 4-4. That's what the story is for Nim as Depay can hit it. Oh, what a strike. Pure power from Leon captain Memphis Depay. 17 shots to six as Awa gets the better of Ripa. Awa still deflected off Briançon. Anderson. Oh. Well, Bernardoni beaten all ends up that time. It's goal number four. Robbie, it finished 4 0. Neem had Theo Valt or Theo Valt sent Theo. off Theo Valt. after five minutes. They, uh, they suffered another red card um, later in the first half. And Leon eventually just r- just too strong ran away with that. A couple of goals, a penalty, and a brilliant strike from uh, from Memphis Depay, who really is in in, in good form. But a, a, a strange game. Jean-Michel Olas, the president of Leon, in the in the crowd, getting a lot of stick as well from Nîmes supporters. Absolutely, they were, the the Nîmes supporters were actually excellent. They were about the best thing for the for the home side. Um, there were a couple of banners about saying, look, a new stadium is all well and good, but if we're in Ligue 2, there's, there's not much point, is there? So a bit of discontent at the start, but once the game started turning against them, Theo Vals, I think uh, looking back, perhaps my live commentary, I, I, I felt a little bit bad for him, um, for the challenge and the quick, the quick red card, but I think looking back, it certainly was a red card. Probably the same has to go for the second one as well. The penalty for me was a little bit generous on uh, Bertrand Traore by foul by Pablo Martinez. Oh, that was a foul. That changed the game. Well, not for me, I don't <laughs> think, still. Um, but that that turned the game because Nim could have all the fight in the world, but you always knew in the last 20 minutes they were just going to get overrun. Memphis Depay is a class footballer. Um, he's proving it this season more than ever now that Fekir's gone, that he he is the man for, for Leon. I've heard rumours that there could be a second single coming out from Memphis Depay as well. Before then, the though, Robbie, weeks. he's got to do it on Tuesday night against Leipzig because Leon, they could do Absolutely. with winning that. If they want to be sure well, this of qualifying, was, they need this to beat was Leipzig the moment Their season could be, could be played out now. If they qualify for the next round of the Champions League, if they can... As they as they say, accroche their wagon to the to the leading group here in uh, in French. Which uh, do you want to give us that translation, yeah, Maddie? Clip on to the cart that's currently um, being galloping away, or yeah. clip your. I'll, tra- I'll work on that. Uh, uh, yeah, oh, no, it's more of a carriage, the wagon. Yeah, yeah att- sorry, att- not not the wagon. Attach your carriage to the to the locomotive that's pulling this. Train. Sometimes it's best not to translate literally. I'd say just get on the coattails of the leading clubs. There exactly. So if they can join Cheers, that Dave. peloton, well, the peloton's a bit yeah. of a, a, a one that's universal accepted now and they're there which I think is is nice as well but absolutely Matt European football for Olympic Lyonnais is absolutely crucial Um, as a side note look at all the sides now that are in the top eight of the standings and you've got some nice big football clubs there it's taking shape isn't it? and it's really um, exciting because we all love to see an Angers or a a Montpellier or a Reims uh, a, a side doing well but when you look at that PSG Marseille Lille Rennes Bordeaux Nantes Lyon Saint-Étienne uh, that's uh, that's good. The one side, the one big gun still in the bottom half are, are Monaco, but they did get a victory. Um, I've written 3-0 against Nîmes, but it was against Amiens, wasn't it? It was against um, Amiens. <laughs> David, Cross and, uh, David Cross and commentated. Should we, should we have a listen to see what happened? Golovin into the near post. It bounces around. Ben Yedda, what a hit by Wissam Ben Yedda. He has his 11th of the season. Chance here for a second, and it's in from Guillermo Maripan. They might be three down now. Benyedda and Balde follows up. Keita Balde. 
Nets his third of the season. Dave, Wissam Ben Yedder, not for the first time this season, coming to Monaco's rescue with an instinctive strike, a volley after the ball fell to him uh, from a corner. And Monaco, in the end, running away with, with, with the victory. Yeah, Luca Elsner said that Monaco could have scored 10 after opening the scoring. They didn't look like scoring one for the first hour. Elsner set his team up to defend and they frustrated Monaco, who were still without the suspended Islam Slimani. Uh, Monaco looked very short of ideas. Cesc Fabregas was restored to the starting lineup. He looked slow. His touch was poor. I felt quite sorry for him, actually. I wonder how he's going to see out the remaining three years on his contract because he didn't look up to league and level I'm afraid to say and he's been one of my favourite players to watch over the last 15 years and Monaco only improved once Jardim tweaked the tactics slightly got Golovin further up the pitch because Golovin's mobility helped them out and also Fabregas doesn't even take the set pieces it's Golovin who takes the corners and free kicks they got two goals from set pieces and it was only after Golovin went off that Fabregas started taking set pieces so I wonder what his role is going to be it'll be one in the in the changing room one uh, with to bring young players through. We know that's part of their project as well, Monaco. They need to have these experienced players. It uh, seems when you look at that midfield there. now, Jardim just cannot take off Timue Bakayoko, can he? Well, this is leading to something, isn't it? Maybe that's Fabregas's <laughs> role, is you reminding seen, Timue yeah, Bakayoko that he now wears number six. You may have seen the clip, yeah. Um, the number 14 was, uh, was raised and uh, Bakayoko, several seasons wore the number 14 for Monaco. Um, in his first spell at the club. It was actually Keita Balde that Jardim wanted to take off, and but Bakayoko walked over, only to be told to, to stay on the pitch. Quite quite a, a humorous he, he, moment, Dave, was it? Did you did you laugh in your commentary? I, I, I did. I was very amused. I was also checking that it was indeed Bakayoko's former shirt number. I haven't got Armel's memory for shirt numbers. I remember Johan Cruyff and David Ginola wearing 14, but I couldn't quite recall, even though I watched that Monaco team so much, that Bakayoko was in the 14 shirt in the glory years. I'm surprised it doesn't happen more often than that. I don't know, like the players that aware, I guess you get used to your shirt number, but well, you know, he, players he, chop and change teams I'm, quite I'm a gonna, lot. I'm going to do a, a little series of interviews with PSG, a short thing, I think, where I'm going to ask the players, the other the other teammates' shirt numbers and just see but, how, how good they I mean, could back, be. That would be brilliant. Bakayoko, Bakayoko <laughs> is from the 14th arrondissement of Paris. Yeah. He wore 14 at Chelsea, wore 14 at Milan. He wore 14 in his last season at Rennes. It's it's in his it's imprinted in his also, mind. It would have been bizarre had uh, Jardim taken Bakayoko off. He had another very good game. He's mm. getting he him he, back on loan. He is looked quite crucial. happy though to be strolling off, didn't he? It was yeah, like, yeah. oh, I'm going to get a breather. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, coach. They're only four points off the fourth place, third yeah. place. Yeah, that's the they're thing. Only they're four they're... points behind Lille in third, Monaco, and they're down in eleventh. Yeah, they need to sort out their uh, their away record at home. They're getting good results this season, as are Nice. Nice. That's their fifth home win in a row. For yeah, Monaco. Like Monaco, yeah. like Marseille as well. Yep, five home wins well, nice, in a row. Nice have lost six in a row away from home. They lost 4-1 at, uh, at Saint-Etienne in midweek. Pressure on Patrick Vieira. But they came back and they secured a 4-1 win. An impressive win against a struggling Mets side. Two goals for Will and Cyprian. Ignatius Ganago, Pierre Lesmelu. But um, Yusuf Attal unfortunately got a bad injury. He's going to be out for four or five months. He's going to have to have... Uh, a knee operation. Vieira, I, I just, I know we, we, we talk about it pretty much every week, but I found it strange that in the post-match interview, he was asked about his future and he said that when you've played at a club like Arsenal for nine years, you're obviously uh, very flattered and interested and, and what have you. And for me, I, d I don't think Arsenal are going for Vieira. That was, I think, a message from Patrick Vieira to the board 
I'm not quite sure what that message was. Perhaps don't take me for granted or um, um, can we, you know, maybe get behind me? Because at the moment, the club is a bit disunited. It's a, it's a strange one, isn't it? Because he obviously commands a lot of respect because of who he is. But things clearly aren't going well. And I, I think he's still got a, a lot to prove on the bench. So it's a bit of a weird one that he's even being linked with, shall we say, well, what used to be a big Premier League At the end of last job, season, anyway. when we were picking, doing our awards, you said you'd give Patrick Vieira a tentative peck on the cheek. Are you sticking True. with that now? Good are memory. You, have you gone up a grade? Yeah, I'll just go Paolo Sosa now. Yeah, Go and see the neighbours. Grass is greener on the other side. Indeed, indeed, indeed. So, um, the sun is out, by the way. So, that's good news for Armel and Dave, who are going to have to cycle off back home any, any moment. Now, we're hoping... The transport strike will not last all week and that we will be able to get to some games uh, this coming weekend. Just two match days left this season. It is soon going to be time. This year, this year. The season goes on. The year, yes. I was already thinking about how it's going to be time for oysters and stuff and everything that that French people have at Christmas. Mm. Looking forward to that. But week 18 of the season, we're going to go on a bon voyage. We're going to look ahead to to some, uh, some nice trips. Right, yeah, well, I, I think I'm going to go to Mets this week for the uh, early the kick-off right on. on Saturday. I'm, I'm wearing the Mets colours currently, but it's more also to see if um, poor old Dimitri Payet recovers from the lifelong blow that he's received this morning, being unfairly left out of the team of the decade. I think he'll bounce back with a hat-trick. Um, I think Marseille... Like a, a, a good forward always should. Like a, good midf- like a very good midfielder does <laughs> when he needs to prove a point to... Bunch of dinosaurs. We, we can't afford a number 10 in our team. It's a luxury player. I think we, we will have the debate as to whether we switch to a 4-2-3-1 and we'll announce that next week, the uh, the decision. But as it stands, Matuidi has got the nod over Payet. doesn't ma- matter how much you cry. Armel. Robbie, any any uh, trips planned for you other than uh, the Parc des Princes? There's no game, by the way, at the Parc des Princes. No, no. Well, Saint-Étienne PSG would be a, a nice one at the at the cauldron. Saint-Étienne need to bounce back as well, and they're a side that could cause problems. I think I'll go to Lyon. Lyon Rennes. It reminds me of the when we first started commentating Ligue 1 football, Matt, for for here in France for the World Feed back in what was it, 2008? I think when yeah. Lyon was still uh, top dogs. Just yeah, it was. In black and white, wasn't it? <laughs> and uh, it and wasn't Rennes, in widescreen. Rennes were were their bête noire, as we say in in French, their bogey team. Um, when the likes of Kim Shalstrom used to cause them all sorts of problems before going to join them. Um, so like yeah, Jimmy I'll Brion. hit to Lyon for a bit of nostalgia. Anthony Reva, yeah, they all they all left Rennes to go to Lyon. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, why not? Why not, Dave? Anything? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go to Le Chaudron. I want to find out. I think he said winter champions earlier, but in France they like to call it autumn, autumn champions. Yeah. And the winter's only That's just, just weird. started. And I, I just don't like the concept when at all. When does winter you're, start in, you're top in England? At Christmas. Is it the 1st of December or the 21st? It's winter. Oh, it's always PSG, winter. 21st yeah. of September is the beginning of In autumn. England? Because that's in France. But in Australia, we start on the 1st of I'm going to go to the Chaudron as Seems well. a bit late. We'll carry me. on that debate off the air, The atmosphere at the Chaudron is absolutely fantastic. Bit of name dropping. I remember uh, I interviewed Zlatan, actually, after, after a game at the Chaudron. And I, and, and I remember saying to him, oh, you, you know, you must love these atmospheres, this stadium, and he had a little smile in his face as if to say, yeah, yeah, I've played in slightly bigger, bigger, more hostile places than this, but he did. He used no, to, he did. He used he to love playing games. And um, yeah, I think the PSG boys will, will get another, another tough test and we'll see if Neymar and uh, Mbappe can, 
can behave themselves as well as scoring goals. <laughs> Robbie can't, can't believe I've got a negative <laughs> comment in about PSG. Um, we're going to wrap up. Just, just the one. We're going to wrap up. PSG are still <laughs> leading this, uh, this league and title race. Um, we hope you've enjoyed our coverage. Don't forget to, uh, to send in your suggestions or your comments about our choices for team of the decade. League and podcast at gmail.com or we are on the hashtag Le on Twitter. From uh, Robbie Thompson, Armel Tangi, David Cross and Ami Matt Spiro. It's time to say au revoir et à très bientôt. Bye-bye, everyone. Ciao. Cheers. Kalupa Kamano. Oh, what a strike. An absolute beauty for Florian Tobac. Oh, the pass is brilliant for Pepe. Tobac. The Saint-Etienne surely won it in the 89th minute. Oh, what a goal. And Kylian Mbappe wraps it up.